Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. Joined here today by Blake Alderman. The 2020 NFL Draft is officially in the books. Blake, we had a lot of Florida players selected, and I think talking with you before the show about it, that's kind of what stood out to me is that, uh, you know, Florida has some significant ammo in the chamber now when it comes to selling recruits on the fact that they can develop them for the NFL Draft. Absolutely. I always, I already saw that Florida is kind of jumping while the iron's hot. I saw that they put out that edit the other day um, right after the draft ended saying that, you know, they had the most um, drafted players. I can't remember the time span that it was, but it was in the first three rounds that they had had more drafted players than Florida State and Florida. So, I mean, it's definitely something that you can use as a recruiting pitch. I think in this day and age, I mean, don't get me wrong, production is something that recruits look into. But I think in where we're at maybe so this year, you know, with coronavirus – Everyone was watching the draft. You know, I know it set, you know, I think like records, uh, you know, for views this year and at least the first round I know it was. So I think whenever you see this year specifically where there's just not a lot of sports, I mean, aside from the WNBA draft, this was like the first thing of like live sports, if you want to call it that. So I think a lot of people were keyed in. Um, Obviously, the coaches, you know, recruiting the way they are, you know, every day, every other day they're in touch with these guys. So, I mean, they definitely have some ammo in the chamber. Um you know, not only getting a guy in the first round um, to kind of continue to preach on, you know, their tradition with defensive backs, but having a couple of those defensive guys, um, guys on the defensive line, obviously a big position for them to fill. So definitely, uh, you know, nothing but positive as far as what you can pull of recruiting wise out of this draft for the Gators. Yeah. And I, I came away thinking really the offensive guys that went to me uh, was as impressive as anything else, because there has been kind of a floating narrative out there in recruiting, you know, right or wrong, that when it comes to preparing offensive skill players for the NFL draft, that Dan Mullen's system isn't all that conducive to that because they spread the ball so much. You know, that there's been this argument that, you, you know, if you're you're a top notch wide receiver, why would you want to go to Florida in an offense that's primarily based on the power run game? And then when you when you know, when Florida does throw it around they tend to spread the ball around to a lot of different receivers. So you don't see guys putting up thousand thousand yard seasons all that often under Dan Mullen. If you go back to his time at Mississippi state, he didn't have a single wide receiver drafted. Um, so I think when you look at this draft for Florida and you see that, you know, Dan Mullen took over a Florida offense that ranked 110th in the country in 2017 uh, with a lot of these same guys that were contributing all of a sudden he turns around this Florida offense. Florida was the only team in a record setting draft for, for wide receivers, I believe there were 36 receivers drafted in this, tied to the most since 2003. Uh, and Florida was the only school that had three wide receivers drafted. When you have that kind of stat, I think you can immediately kind of, you know, dispel that floating notion out there that you, you can't get drafted in Dan Mullen's offense because the touches are too spread. Dan Mullen can point to that and say, no, 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 that's completely false. Look at what we did with Van Jefferson. Look at what we did with Freddie Swain. Look at what we did with Tyree Cleveland. And I think it even helps sell the the message that Dan Mullen preaches that it's all about the program 
because you look at those guys' numbers, you know, Freddie Swain, Van Jefferson, around the 600-yard range this year, um, those are pretty good numbers. But, like, Tyree Cleveland, you know, I'd have to look offhand. I think he's only in, like, the 350-yard range this season. So not a ton of production when you're looking at it. And if you're, you know, a high school recruit and you've got, you know, a Georgia coach or an Alabama coach or a Clemson coach in your ear telling you, don't go to Florida, you're not going to get enough touches – and then you turn around and, and Dan Mullen says, well, it's not about the touches. It's the fact that we're going to be able to play for championships. Uh, we're going to be built, bought into a team mentality. And, oh, hey, look, we're also getting guys into the NFL draft. I think that totally really changes things. That, that was kind of my takeaway was more the offensive guys. Because, Blake, to me, Florida hasn't had any trouble putting out defensive guys over the past couple of years. Definitely not, especially not the secondary. Um, it's kind of become something we've become accustomed to seeing these Florida DBs go, you know, round one, round two, early rounds, regardless. So I, I think that just looking at the draft overall, to me, I, I knew Van Jefferson was going to get drafted. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I did a podcast. I sat here on the same podcast and said that I thought he was a fourth round guy. Here mm-hmm. he is, a second round guy. So. You know, it's great getting guys drafted for sure, especially whenever you have this narrative against you of, of wide receivers. But I think it gives you a little bit even more juice when you've got a guy that went second round. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. And uh, I think another thing that stood out to me from this draft, and uh, I was kind of noticing it right before Kirk Herbstreet actually went on the air and said it, Mississippi State had a lot of guys get drafted. Uh, I went back and actually started looking at it. And in the two years since Dan Mullen left, the Bulldogs have had 10 players uh, drafted. And nine of those guys, Tommy Stevens, obviously being the lone exception, were recruited by and developed by Dan Mullen and his staff. Um, that is the most most players selected in a two-year span in the NFL draft out of Mississippi State since World War II. So the idea that Dan Mullen can't uh, – or the, it's, it's never been, I think, that Dan Mullen can't develop players. I think the narrative has been more that his system's not conducive to getting you enough touches. Um, I think you look at the numbers that he's piled up. Seven of those 10 picks from from the Bulldogs were in the first three rounds. Like he's putting out high level NFL talent. Um, and I think when you're going to be able to point to that, you know, Herb Street mentioned it. You know, these are all just positives that are building in Florida's favor going forward. And uh, getting back to the offensive skill, guys, I mean, this is a trend that I don't think is going to end anytime soon. We've talked about it. Kyle Pitts is a surefire first or second round guy. Uh, you look at next year, you know, Trayvon Grimes is a guy that's going to have a chance to go in the first three rounds with his size and ability. Kyle Trask could be a potential first three round guy. So Florida's going to be putting up some some NFL draft uh, prospects out there. And I think you're starting to see it already, you know, landing guys like Xavier Henderson, like Jaquavian Frazier's. Uh, I think that's going to become more than norm, especially now that, you know, Dan Mullen is really starting to put the results down on paper. Certainly a good year to where Florida is in the mix for a couple wide receivers still. A guy like Christian Leary, uh, Mario Williams, a guy who's probably on the outside looking in for Florida. Um, but when you have guys like this that are drafted, I mean, it, it gives you a little juice. You have to at least circle around and, and check and see, you know, kind of where, you know, how hot the stove is, so to say, whenever you have some of these guys. So I think that with Florida, Florida's done a great job recruiting wide receivers so far this cycle, but there's still some big fish out there for them. So obviously all positives here for those guys. All right, Blake. Well, let's get into talking about some of the individual picks and and kind of where they landed. Um, I know that we're not necessarily NFL uh, beat writers or anything like that, but we have a you know a kind of general idea of who's fitting into into a good spot. Um, I guess we'll start. Go ahead. Uh, just talking about the guys that went in the first two days, and then we'll kind of take a break and hit on some of the other guys, some of the undrafted free agent signings that have happened. Uh, Blake, first first thoughts on C.J. Henderson to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine. I thought it made a lot of sense when you see a guy like Derek Brown who went to the Panthers just right ahead of them. When you look at what they needed, defensive line, uh, and then obviously secondary, you know, losing a guy like Jalen Ramsey. Um, so I think this makes a lot of sense. I think that Henderson is, in a sense, 
that same kind of guy in coverage, you know, maybe not as, you know, overly physical like what Ramsey was, even though I think that's what he kind of prided his game on. But that's not to say that, you know, Henderson's soft or anything. But regardless, big need in the secondary. If you lose a guy like Derek Brown, who's an elite defensive lineman, I think you take the next elite guy that you can at your position that you need. And I think that's Henderson. So, I mean, obviously with, you know, Ramsey going and being their star like that, this should give Henderson, I mean, first round picks, you know, those guys are drafted to see the impact early and see the field early. But I think that just from the dire need they have there, I think it's going to even more so make him, you know, kind of a, a surefire guy to, you know, kind of trot out there and have a chance very early to be a starter. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly with Ramsey gone, it's 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 an ideal fit in that sense. I think I think I like this draft pick better for Jacksonville than I do for Henderson. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, Jacksonville is obviously in a pretty shaky spot right now with the GM, with the coach. Uh, this is a situation where he may go in, you know, with those guys, uh, have a have a good first year and then all of a sudden be looking at a new coach. So from a stability standpoint, I don't know that it's the best fit for him necessarily. Um, but like you said, he's a talented enough player that when you draft a guy at number nine overall, you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey that's gone. You're you're absolutely looking to plug and play. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, it's it's a good fit for Henderson. I think certainly, you know, anytime you're able to be drafted in your home state, you know, stay close to home. That's good for family. You know, his brother will be right down the road in Gainesville, so they'll only be about an hour and a half away. Uh, I, I think that's also a positive, again, going back to recruiting. Uh, when CJ's in Jacksonville, you're going to see him around for some of these uh, some of these home games, you know, when you have recruits in town. And that's just one more guy you can point to and say, hey, this guy was a top 10 pick. Why don't you come be one, too? Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, he'll have a chance. I think he probably starts there next year. And um, the thing I'm interested in seeing is just how much that ankle injury kind of affected him last year. You know, the, the knock from some of the NFL draft scouts was that he wasn't a consistent tackler, didn't always maybe uh, seem to give it his best effort there. And I know some Florida fans got frustrated at certain points there, probably rightfully so. But, you know, if, if it was a matter of that ankle wasn't fully healthy and, you know, Henderson was kind of, quote unquote, protecting himself a little bit, uh, I think you'll see that probably disappear next year. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he stacks up. I think, you know, his his athletic ability is insane. I mean, he's just off the charts athletic in terms of closing speed. Probably, you know, I've been I've been watching the Gators in person for uh, close to 15 years now. He probably has the best closing speed of any corner I've seen. And, uh, you know, we saw it in that Tennessee game where he chased down a guy and uh, stripped him, you know, going into the into the end zone. Uh, we saw it again in, in another one of the games, South Carolina. I think, South Carolina, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. So that to me is he's got a lead upside. The question is, you know, can he round out his game enough to, to make it work? And, you know, he'll definitely get the chance early. But to his credit, he's a guy that uh, you even said it on another podcast. He's one of the first guys that's at practice. You know, you guys mm -hmm. are waiting to do the media interviews and whatnot afterwards. I mean, he's still getting some 100%. extra work in. So I think even if he does have some things to work on, and obviously the NFL is a big jump, I think he's one of those guys that's absolutely going to come in. And he's you can will not, and you I don't think you're I do not expect him to ever anyone question his work ethic. And I think no, that that's going to be a big yeah. thing for him. Yeah, you won't have a guy that outworks him. I don't think not not at least from a, a technique standpoint and watching film. Uh, let's go ahead and shift over to Van Jefferson, second round to the Los Angeles Rams. Blake, I, I like this fit a lot. Um, they actually selected him with the pick that they got by trading Brandon Cooks. Um, it's not going to be a, a sure thing that Van Jefferson is a starter, uh, but I think when you take a guy in the second round and you have two guys that are pretty proven, like Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods, uh, I think he's got the chance to slide in there and be that third guy probably in the slot. You know, I think Jefferson has the ability to play both inside and outside. And I think, you know, we talked about it a lot leading up to the draft. One of the reasons I was higher on him than maybe that third, fourth round range was because of his polish. You know, that that if there was a team that was looking for a surefire third and already had two pretty established guys, 
he's a guy that steps in there as your number three right away, and you don't have to coach him a whole lot. Uh, you know, he's the son of an NFL receivers coach, an NFL uh, receiver, you know, back in his playing days. So I, I think that I really like this fit. I think he's going to have a chance to have a pretty good rookie season uh, just from the standpoint that he's coming into a place that already has two established vets. So he's going to get a lot of, I would expect, one-on-one coverage. And, you know, he's proven time and time again that he's a good enough route runner to kind of make that happen. Yeah, I think the route running is what's going to get him to see the field earlier. I don't know that he comes in and he's a, you know, bona fide starter, but I think when you have a team like the Rams that really likes to spread the ball around, they're very pass heavy. Just the fact of, you know, rotating guys in and out, you know, getting fresh legs in there and to mix with the fact that he's a very good route runner. He's got very good hands. You know, he's very trustworthy with the ball. I think that that's going to be the things that does get him, you know, some snaps early. Um, I also think, too, the versatility. I mean, you can put him in the slot. You can put him out wide. You can kind of plug and play him around a little bit to where – once you get a feel of how he's going to fit in your offense and his tendencies and, you know, you work on that connection with, you know, the staff and the quarterbacks and just the timing and all that, I think they'll get a better sense of what they can do with him. But I think the fact that Van is just a ball player, you know, you can put him out there. Um, I think that it's a really good. I, and I, again, I thought he was a later pick. Um, but I think whenever you look at the Rams and how they kind of spread things around and the kind of team they are, I do think that this is a really good pick. And I could see. You know, with the fact that there was a deep wide receiver class, you see some of those guys start to come off the board. I can see the fit. So I could see that this is a good pick for the Rams, and I could see why for them he's a second-round guy. Yeah, no doubt. And he's definitely one of the the nicest guys you'll ever talk to. You know, it was a real pleasure to cover him. Uh, just just a really nice all-around guy. And, sure. Uh, always, Dad was a coach had, in the NFL, too. So, And I think that plays into it. But, he, you know, he always had time for the media. So uh, he's, he's in my uh, he's in my uh, A-plus category <laughs> for guys we've dealt with. Blake, uh, another one, you know, that's in that same category, Jonathan Grenard, uh, him and Jabari Zuniga, we had debated quite a bit on the podcast and on the website at swamp247.com, which guy would be the first off the board. I don't remember if we disagreed, um, but were you surprised to you see the Zuniga order? You thought Zuniga and I thought Grenard. Okay. Were you surprised to see the order they came off? I mean, they were only 11 picks apart. I was surprised to see Van go before Zaniga and Grenard for sure. But I guess that, past that, you know, I did think Grenard would go before, you know, all of those guys. I think just the fact that just the year he put up, I thought that that was a big flash to all those teams. And, you know, seeing some of these guys that are just really good at getting to the quarterback, I thought that that was where I saw Grenard kind of come in there. Um, but then when I kind of thought about it as I went on, you know, he's a guy that he's limited in the sense of how you're going to use him. So I think that you're going to have to find a team that really likes him and he really fits your scheme. So kind of looking back now, I'm not surprised that Grenard didn't go before Zaniga at least, but I mean, total surprise to me to see Van go up so high. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you're talking about Zaniga going ahead of Grenard, you know, I, I thought we nailed that issue pretty well ahead of the draft that it was going to be whether or not they kind of valued the production versus, you know, the elite athletic upside because Zaniga is a physical freak. Right. And uh, all he really needed was one team to take a chance on him. And essentially what it boiled down to is my whole thing with him was his first year or two at Florida. He would have those big games where you'd see it where you'd be like, man, this guy is going to be a stud, you know, multi-sack performance against Tennessee. And then, you know, you get into the stretches where you're playing LSU, you're playing Georgia and the production just wasn't there. It kind of tailored off. And I think what started to happen his junior and senior year was you started to see that production happen more consistently against good teams. You look at this Miami game this year where, you know, Zaniga was an absolute wrecking ball. Um, granted, that Miami offensive line didn't end up being very good in the long run. But I think that that game and really his start to the season kind of flashed to NFL teams that maybe he was starting to turn the corner in terms of that consistency and really hitting that upside. And I think when the Jets drafted him, I think they're gambling on that, that 
And uh, I believe their GM actually pretty much said that. He said, he said, you know, the flashes we saw from him as a senior were enough to convince us that that's what, that's what we expect going forward from him. Um, Blake, I was more surprised by the fact that the Jets took him after what happened a year ago. Yeah, I was surprised to see them kind of dip back in for a Florida defensive end um, after taking Jakai Polite, and obviously that didn't work out. Um, and where, Is he at Seattle now, is it, or did he get cut from there? No, he, he was uh, on the practice yeah, squad, he wasn't he? signed to the practice squad for a bit. I'm not sure if he's still there, but you know, anytime you spend a third round pick sure. and you end up cutting the guy before can or before the season starts, it's uh, not ideal, but you know, it didn't scare the Jets off from taking Zaniga. So Sure, and I think that that's where you kind of look at Zaniga and you see him that again, you kind of go back to Jakai Polite being he, he obviously not as built as what Grenard was, at least in my opinion, but those guys, you have to really have a good fit for them and you have to really like that kind of scheme fit, you know, not really a big guy that's got the frame, but he's quick off the edge, he's long, and I mean, he makes those plays where he bends, so I think when you look at obviously Zaniga, if you look at Ja'Kai Polite I think Zaniga's certainly the safer pick out of the two of those guys, just from, you know, being more well-rounded and what you can do with him um, but I, I, I was surprised, and I actually made a comment about that that, you know, at least the Jets have we can get into more of that later, but the Jets have been very pro Gator here lately, and it's surprising to see how things went with uh, with Jakai to you know not see them waver on that at all. Yeah, no, they doubled the amount of Gators they had in uh, on Saturday, uh, you know, with selecting uh, Zaniga, and then we'll get into later, you know, Lamichael Pirine, and then they actually made a deal with one of their seventh round picks to to pick up cornerback Quincy Wilson. So they have six Gators on the team now, uh, kind of turning into Gainesville North up there, you know. And the uh, yeah. Blake, let's hit on Jonathan Grenard real quick, and then we'll take a, a break before we get to some of the other draftees and undrafted free agent signees. Uh, what do you like about the fit in Houston? I like the fit, and I think it's kind of the same sense of what you were talking about with Henderson. I don't know that Bill O'Brien is a very good coach, and he definitely seems like he makes some very interesting moves as far as you know what they do. He's their GM, too, I believe, so the interesting moves that he makes there— um, there's a little bit of some volatile feelings from the, from Houston just from kind of watching things. Um, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, just from the moves they make, it seems like some of the players are sitting there kind of scratching their head. And I don't know that Bill O'Brien's going to be there forever. Um, I, I don't know. It just seems like there's something, something fishy going on in Houston there. But when you look at the fact that J.J. Watt is usually double and triple teamed mm-hmm. and they're looking for someone to either free him up or someone to compliment him there, I think that Grenard is just amazing. Um, in that sense to where he's going to get after the quarterback. And I think that if he can continue to kind of work on some of the little things, um, I go back to that three-cone drill that he had in the NFL draft. I think it was so quick, and it really showed his athleticism there. So I think that he's going to be one that it's he's going to have a really good career, I, I think. And I think that just seeing that what he did in that year at Florida, um, I think he's going to continue to translate that to the NFL. Um, and, and I think where he can kind of compliment J.J. Water, at least get some snaps there, I think that's good for him. I think it's a good fit as far as there. But I don't know, man. It just seems like kind of the infrastructure of things going on in Houston are seeming like you know there's some cracks in, in the foundation. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's another situation where you're not sure how long that staff and that GM – you know, in this case, the same same guy is going to be around. But I look at, you know, there's opportunity there. You know, ever since, uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney was dealt, they've been looking for somebody. You know, the Texans finished uh, near the bottom of the league in sacks. So they're, they're definitely, you know, trying to fill that void there. And uh, I think what's interesting is I believe that they said they want to play Grenard as kind of an outside linebacker, uh, which, you know, he's definitely capable of. And you referenced the three cone drill that might have probably helped him more than anything. Uh, because I think teams weren't quite sure whether or not he has the size to really be that every down hand in the dirt guy. You know, obviously he didn't play that role at Florida a whole lot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that pans out for him. You know, if he has the speed to, to be able to make that work at the next level. 
Um, but in terms of, you know, another guy that that like C.J. Henderson, when we talk about work ethic, you talk about leadership. Uh, he is absolutely uh, cream of the crop when it comes to that. So he will he will do everything he can in his power to make sure, you know, that he's a good fit for them. Blake, let's go ahead and take a quick break. I know we got a lot of guys to get to on the other side of this break. And then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk with Michael Pirine, some of the other draftees, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland. Uh, and then we'll get to some of the other guys that are undrafted right on the other side of this break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're kicking around the NFL draft, which saw seven Florida Gators get selected. The most that Florida's had in single draft since 2017. Starting to become a bit of a pattern. Florida's putting out, uh, I believe they had five the previous two years. So a lot of NFL talent being produced. Blake, one of those guys, probably didn't have quite the senior year that he hoped for. He opted to return, you know, when he could have gone pro last year. Running back LaMichael Pirine goes number 120 overall to the New York Jets in the fourth round. Blake, what are your thoughts on that fit? Uh, I think it's a good fit just because I think that he's going to really compliment Le'Veon Bell really well. Um, and the fact that when you have a bona fide talent like Bell, you know you really usually don't see a you usually see a big drop off to your backup. And not to say that P Ryan's going to come in and he's going to have that same type of effect on the team, but I think that P Ryan does really well in pass protection. I think he does really well in the pass game. So I think that that's someone that will complement a guy like Bell, who's a really electric runner. So I think you get someone who does a little bit of the different things there. Um, and then you really don't know how the contract deal is going to go with Bell. So I think that. Certainly, that's their top back, no doubt. But I think that if things don't go the right way, you know, you see Bell dealt or you see him one out of a trade or, you know, some kind of things to that effect. At least you have someone that can establish himself in P. Ryan if he comes in and does the hard work that I think everyone expects him to be. Because P. Ryan, I think if you can say one thing, maybe not the fastest back, you know, maybe this, that, and the other, he puts in a lot of work and I, he, he's a guy that just makes plays. Well, the good thing about Piran, too, is he's in every down back. So, you know, if, if Bell has to come out for a blow or, you know, whatever, it takes a quick knock. Uh, Piran's a guy that can absolutely go in and fill in, um, you know, and I think he I think he has the potential to really win this number two job, like you said, uh, ahead of a, a kind of a pivotal point in in the contract for Le'Veon Bell. You know, the Jets have the option after next season uh, to part ways with Bell. So if they really like what they see out of Piran as a rookie, 
there's a decent chance that he's a starting NFL tailback pretty soon. Uh, you look at the hands, obviously. I think that was a big, big factor in him being selected this high. Uh, personally, this was the guy that I missed on the most, I think, in our pre-draft projections. You know, I got the order of all the guys coming off the board right, but I had Pirine going in the sixth round, maybe a little ahead of Freddie Swain, and he ends up going in the fourth round. I think that tells you a lot about, you know, kind of similar to Van Jefferson. This is a guy that's ready to play right away. He can he can pass protect. He can run. Uh, I think I think New York's a really good fit for him, too, just in terms of scheme. They run a lot of similar stuff that Florida does in terms of, you know, how they block things up. And I think, you know, it was actually interesting going back because we made so much of P. Ryan being a good pass protector and a good pass catcher that when we were watching the clips on the NFL draft of P. Ryan, you forget that, man, this is a guy that, you know, he's had some really nice runs, you know, going back to his freshman year in that 2016 game against LSU where he really put a he put Jamal Adams on his back one on one carry and, and really dragged him about 10 yards. Uh, so, you know, he'll have a guy that he can uh, he can poke fun at a little bit uh, on his team now in, in the NFL. And um, I, I think it's a really good fit. I think, you know, he, when you look at guys that, you know, have a chance to really establish themselves with an NFL team in terms of opportunity based on what's kind of coming back there. Fourth round is just in that area where, you know, if you're not going into a good situation position wise, teams are kind of willing to cut you. Uh, that third round, fourth round is kind of the cutoff where usually you see, you know, if you're a third rounder, it's pretty rare to get cut before the season. Fourth round, maybe not as much. So to go into a situation where, you know, Kenneth Dixon and Josh Adams are really his biggest competition who haven't done a whole lot. Um, P. Ryan's got a chance to really make a name for himself. So I, I think that was a good fit. And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, man, that's uh, that's six Gators up in New York. So he'll have plenty of familiar faces around him. No doubt. I think it's a really good fit for him. Um, I'm excited for him because that's a guy who's coming from Mobile, Alabama. So it's definitely a uh, totally different. I mean, New York is a totally different beast up there, man. So uh, he's always been a really good guy. Um, you know, I know he uh, I saw a tweet that was I don't remember where it was or what outlet or anything saying that he had character issues. That that was one reason why he could have fell, which I just don't know where that even came from. I mean, I know he had the little deal with like the tow truck truck driver or something like that, but it didn't really seem like, you know, character issues for me. So I, I think he's a really hard worker and I think he's going to go in and he's going to keep his nose down. He's just going to grind. Yeah. And like you said, the all around skill set, you know, a- another guy speaking of all around skill sets, this was a guy that I was really high on wide receiver, Freddie Swain. Uh, I had him after Van Jefferson as the top receiver off the board. And I think the reason for that is he's kind of sneaky good. And I thought that that 40 yard dash time that he put together a four, four, six at the NFL combine, that surprised me a little bit. Cause uh, again, I, I use the term sneaky fast with him. He doesn't, he doesn't always jump off the page in terms of, you know, being that quick cut, quick twitch guy, but four, four, six is nothing to sneeze at. And I think the Seattle Seahawks, uh, you talk about great fits, man. I love this fit with the Seattle Seahawks in the sixth round, number two ten overall. You know, th- this is another team like Van Jefferson, where I think you look at Freddie Swain having a real, real opportunity to cement himself as a number three guy. Now he's in the sixth round, so it's going to be a little bit harder for him than Van Jefferson. Uh, but when you look at the the Seahawks with Tyler Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you've got to establish guys guys that are going to take some attention off of Freddie Swain. Ever since Doug Baldwin retired, you know Seattle's been looking for a guy that they can play in the slot. Uh, it's not that Swain won't have competition. You know, Philip Dorsett's in there. They expect him to probably compete for that spot after playing for the Patriots last year. Um, but Blake, you know, in terms of ability, I really like Swain's potential to step in here and really compete for a starting spot in the slot. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's a good fit in the sense that they like those speedy type of guys like that, and that's obviously what Swain brings. Um, I think another thing that benefits him is that he's in, he's an impactful guy in the return game, whether that's kickoff or punt return. So he brings something there. Um 
it's just the fact that it's a little crowded and he's obviously a six round pick. So he's going to have to really work hard and he's going to really have to impress because like you said, I mean, you know, six round guy can be expendable. So I think it's good in the fact that scheme is great. Um, I think it benefits him a lot. And I think that he's a guy that has, like you said, been sneaky good. So I think that he's, you know, he's one of those guys when you have a, a, a crowded room like that and you just make plays and you do things like that and you don't really draw a lot of attention to yourself. Sometimes those are the guys that kind of slide in the radar and they make those teams and they, you know, kind of move themselves up the draft or uh, up the roster position boards. So I think it could be kind of a boom or bust place for him because, again, it could be boom because he's going to fit well well into the scheme. Um, and obviously he's, you know, done a lot to show that he's a trusty receiver, but it could be bust in the fact that, you know, it's a crowded room. Um, let's say Philip Dorsett comes out and just crushes it. Obviously a one-year deal. They're kind of waiting and see how things go there. So it, he's going to have to work for it, no doubt. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I, I saw, you know, Russell Wilson, obviously being the quarterback there, hopped on, a, a I guess, a Zoom call or FaceTime with Swain right away. After the pick. So you, you got to love that, man, when you got a, a veteran quarterback that's reaching out to the younger guys. In terms of stability, you know, what Pete Carroll's built there is pretty, pretty impressive. And obviously, you know, that's a team that can be in contention. So nice fit for, for Freddie Swain. Blake, the one guy I thought probably didn't end up with the team that is necessarily a good fit for him, just in terms of where he got drafted and what kind of went ahead of him, was Tyree Cleveland. He goes in the seventh round, number 252 overall to the Denver Broncos, fourth to last pick of the draft. The Broncos have a serious need at receiver, and they went into the draft having a serious need at receiver. My issue is Denver took receivers with the number 15 overall pick. They snagged Jerry Judy. And then at number 46 with their second pick, they took Penn State's K.J. Hamler. I look at that and say, you know, Seattle, that's that's pretty heavy investment. I mean, you're not cutting first and second rounders. So to me, uh, Tyree Cleveland, great for him to get drafted. But to me, it almost would have been better for him not to get drafted and be able to pick a little bit better of a receiver room. Not that he can't make it. But I think he's going to have his work cut out for him trying to make that roster. Yeah, no doubt. And I think Denver has like 87 running backs on their roster, too. Didn't they just sign Melvin Gordon? They've got a couple other guys. Royce Freeman, I believe, is mm-hmm. still there. Um, yeah. And there's another one, too. That's, that's Regardless, they're a team that has seemed to really kind of focus on running. Obviously, getting guys in the wide receiver room. I don't really like this fit for him. I'm totally with you. I think if he would have went as an undrafted free agent, he could have figured out a little bit of a fit. But again, you kind of go into where he's, you know, kind of shines in special teams. He's a great gunner on different things. So I think in the sense that he can do a little bit of other things, you know, I obviously Jerry Judy, you're not going to throw him out there on special teams so heavily like that. You know, you want to keep a guy like that fairly healthy, you know, you want to save a guy like that. So I think he could kind of be one of those guys that would be one to do the most dirty work if you want to call it special teams and things like that. So the speed is definitely what he brings to the table. And that's something that can sometimes get you to, you know, shines in the NFL. I agree with you. I think he's one that can make it. I don't know that that's a great fit just because it seems like, yes, they're wanting to build up that wide receiver room, but they seem like a team that's pretty pretty dead set on running the ball. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And uh, like you said, I think just the, the the flexibility to be able to pick your landing spot, it, it helps. And, you know, and obviously I don't want to take anything away from Cleveland because it, it's awesome that he was able to get drafted. And, you sure. know, I think everybody dreams of that. And if you asked, I think if you asked anybody that's, you know, waiting for the NFL draft, whether they'd be able to pick their spot, you know, wait, wait four picks till the end of the draft and pick your spot or get drafted in that seventh round. I would bet 99% of those guys tell you they want to get drafted. I mean, that's just, that's the dream. So extremely happy for him there. You know, a a guy that really worked hard at Florida, um, you know, is is, is a a really great guy. And like you said, I think, I think if he's going to make that roster, he's going to have to absolutely show out on special teams. And he's certainly capable. I mean, he's one of the best punt gunners I've seen at Florida in in several years. I mean, he was constantly down there, down in punts inside the 20, um, you know, recovered a block punt for a touchdown as a, as a junior. So he's got a lot of ability. I think, 
he's a little bit raw as a receiver, which is why I didn't quite like him as much as Jefferson or Freddie Swain. Um, but you know, he's got the potential. And I think, I also think if he doesn't end up making it in Denver, he's going to get another look elsewhere. I mean, those guys that are that good on special teams usually end up, you know, hanging around making training camps and, and eventually usually getting a crack at it. Sure. And like, being a high profile recruit, like he was too. I mean, a lot of those scouts, yeah. I mean, they look back and they're like, well, this was a guy in high school. What happened? What has he got? I mean, the, 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 I agree. He, he will find somewhere if he does not make it in Denver. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that weren't drafted, Blake. There's a couple of them, and we, we can kind of go through these quickly because, you know, a lot of times they're long shots to make the roster. Um, I think the one that, for me, has the best shot to make a roster is Joshua Hammond, uh, and he, believe, signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, I think that's a good fit. You know, Jacksonville went into the draft needing receivers, and, uh, you know, that was an area that they, they really had to shore up. And close to home. That's another fit that I really like. Yeah, I think Hammond's one of those guys that's, you know, really kind of sneaky under the radar good, too, um, in the sense that he had a really good 40 in his little pro day that he had down south. So I think he's one that's going to come in and he's going to work hard again. You know, I think that that's one thing of the wide receiver group. I thought that they were guys that really worked hard. So I have no doubt there. The one guy that I think jumps out to me, and I think I'm kind of grasping for straws here past that, is I think David Reese is one that's going to be a sneaky guy with the Carolina Panthers. And I say that in the sense that, you know, you, you don't have Luke Keekley on the on the roster anymore. It's a defense that I think gave up 30-some-odd points a game last year. So Carolina mm-hmm. went defensive heavy. Um, obviously, he's not a draft pick. But I think with the fact that you have such a defense that was so bad, I think that they're really looking for guys. And I think with Reese coming in, and, and yes, he's limited in coverage. And in the NFL, that's probably not great for him. So I think that's where I'm kind of grasping straws here because I think he's going to be limited in that sense. But he's really sure tackler. He's really active there. He led the Gators in tackles, I believe, the last two years. Um, so I think in that sense, when you have a defense that hasn't been great like Carolina and you're bringing guys in to see how they work, I, I think he's an intriguing one for me. Yeah, I, I'm not quite as high on him. I think anytime you have a linebacker, and don't get me wrong, he was absolutely incredible college linebacker, a monster between the tackles against the run. Uh, Florida can probably chalk up at least three to four wins based on him you know, making terrific short yardage stops on third and fourth and short. Um, having said that, it was pretty evident at times that Florida was struggling to cover up his liability in terms of coverage and sideline to sideline speed. And when you're struggling to cover that up at the college level, it just usually doesn't work out at the NFL level. You know, one of the comparisons I make, and it's it's far from a perfect comparison, is Brandon Spikes. Um, it was very evident at Brandon Spikes' pro day that he just did not have the sideline to sideline speed, um, you know, the, the the horizontal speed to get, you know, quicker guys. Um, and he, he obviously had, what, half a foot on David Reese and, and was actually pretty decent dropping into underneath coverage, you know, had a couple pick sixes in his Florida career. But eventually... You know, it got to the point with the Patriots where he was just a, you know, a first and second down linebacker. He couldn't play on third down, uh, you know, and eventually his career kind of petered out that way. I don't think Reese has quite that hitting ability. He's obviously a good hitter, but he does, he just doesn't have the size that Spikes has. And I think he's even more limited in coverage. So to me, I think that's going to be tough for him to make a roster. Um, sure. I, certainly, I hope he does. He's one of the nicest guys we've ever covered. Um, but I, I just think athletically for me. I, I think the NFL is even a different game than when Spikes was in it. And, you know, sure. more and more teams are shifting to those linebackers that can cover in the nickel, uh, do those kind of things. And, and Reese is 100%, you know, first and second down linebacker uh, run only. And uh, I hope he makes it, but I, I'm skeptical on that one. Blake, real quick, I know we've been shooting kind of past our target time. Uh, I'm just going to hit on the other guys that have signed so far that we know about. Punter Tommy Townsend uh, signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Anytime you get a chance to... Uh, contend for a job with the Super Bowl champs, that's pretty good. And certainly Kansas City has drafted well. 
he's going to be competing with one of the Colquitt brothers who's uh, getting up there into his mid upper thirties. So he's definitely got a shot, but um, you know, obviously going against a very veteran guy there, he'll have to kind of prove it in camp. And then another guy that we know of that has signed already is defensive tackle Adam Schuler. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he signed with the Cardinals off the top of my head. So uh, he'll have a chance there. Um, a couple other guys that may get signed in the next couple days, and we'll be covering on Swamp247.com if they do. Center Nick Buchanan, safety Juwan Taylor, and defensive lineman Luke Ankrum. But for now, Blake, I think that will wrap it up for this show. Uh, we'll have plenty more coverage and, and obviously have had quite a bit already on Swamp247.com. Uh, all the stuff we talked about on the podcast, we have it broken down in, in you know, more succinct words uh, on, on the fits there for each team, uh, each player. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in. I know it's been fun just getting a, a brief respite from all the shutdown and all that and having a little bit of live sports. Uh, at Swamp247.com, guys, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep you guys entertained. So uh, be sure to check us out. For Blake and myself, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back middle of the week, probably Thursday, getting back to our regularly scheduled stuff now that the NFL draft is over. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.